Well, as I mentioned in our welcome, we are going through a series throughout the year of scripture memorization, and, and specifically for August and faith. And uh, so what we do is every week we get a new verse, and we work to commit it to our memory, that it might uh, stick in our brains and eventually stick in our hearts as well. Whether we remember a verse perfectly, hopefully we remember the gist of it, if nothing else, as it gets into our hearts. And so one of the practices that we have been doing throughout this year is at the very beginning of the sermon, we repeat the verse several times together. And so we'll put it up on the slide here on the overhead, and uh, we'll say it together, and all the words are there, and then we'll take some of those words away, and all we have to do is fill in the blanks. And hopefully by filling in the blanks a few times, uh, those words will start to stick. So let's go ahead and say this together this morning. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we'll take away just a few of those words. Let's say this again and just fill in the blanks as we go, shall we? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right, one more time. We've taken away some more words. Just let's go through it and try to see if we can fill in these blanks, shall we? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by faith you have been saved... Excuse me. I heard it right and I said it wrong. Let's try to see. It, it just, it's how easy it is. It's how easy it is to mess it up. Here we go. Try again, shall we? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. And uh, yeah, I, I struggle with that one because, you know, it's easy to get faith first. For by faith you have been saved through grace. Nope. It is for by grace you have been saved through faith. And our focus, even though our monthly focus is on faith, and this is a, a verse about faith, we're focusing today on this, this idea of grace. For by Grace, you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The, the, we have focused over the weeks on how faith is believing in something that you can't necessarily see or touch. But having... Uh, assurance in it and one of the illustrations i've used to talk about what faith is is uh you know for instance we are all sitting in our chairs we are comfortable we are uh trusting that we're not going to fall on the ground but we've tested them before we know that they work we can see them we can touch them that's not really faith because we know it's going to work faith real faith is not knowing it's going to work but living in the assurance or the confidence that it is. So for instance, if you have had a person who has 
failed you every time you have trusted them, and yet you have faith that they are going, you are sure of the fact that they are going to come through for you the next time they promise, I would say that is faith. You, you really have no reason to believe it. In fact, if anything, you have many reasons to disbelieve it. And yet, if you have confidence in them, if you have assurance in them that they're going to come through for you, that is faith. Now, we have one who is greater than those who let us down, but we cannot touch God. We have not had the ability to see Him. We're not 100% sure in and of ourselves that when we die, we're going to be okay. Because none of us has actually done it before. We haven't gone down that road. You know, this summer my kids, uh, my, my, my two boys, got into some water slides that I, I would never go into. You know, I, I am not going to trust myself to get into them. That there are these ones where the, you know, the canister encloses you and then there's a trap door that just lets you go and you, you drop straight down. You know, there are, there are things I look at it and I say, no, I don't think I'm going to get on that, right? Partly because I've never gotten on it. But they, once they got on one of these kind of slides, and now that they've used them, they look at them as just another option of the many slides available to them. Whereas to me, I'm like, I don't trust it. I don't know that I would go on that yet. They have gone through it. They have gotten on those slides and now they are even to the point where they can compare and say, oh, that slide's not really that bad. This other slide at this other water park was much scarier. That one was easy. That one was slow. Even though it was dropping you out of a trap door and gravity's taking over. See, they'd already gone through it. So they look back on it and they, they have experience. We haven't gone through death yet. We can't sit there after the fact like they can with these slides and say, oh yeah, don't worry about it. I know exactly where you're headed. In fact, one of the fun things we do sometimes on a Wednesday night is we'll discuss what happens after we die because we don't know. We have ideas. We interpret Scripture and we read Scripture and we try to understand, but we, we haven't been there yet. Faith means living in the belief, and well, I, I hate using the word belief because belief and faith are the same thing. Faith is living with the assurance of those things that you cannot see, that you don't really truly know. We don't truly really know what happens to us after we're dead. What we do know and what we'll say, and you, you might be like, no, I know what happens. Well, you have faith that you know what happens. You have faith that what Jesus has said is true. You have faith that what God has proclaimed will come true that He will be there, that He is over all things, and that He will re resurrect the dead at the end. But we don't really know. That's faith. And as we talk about salvation, and about receiving salvation in this verse, it is, by, it is through faith that we are saved, but it is by grace. In fact, Paul is telling them it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And oftentimes Jesus would say to a person who would believe in him, he would say, Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Even though their faith wasn't the thing that was actually healing them, it was Jesus' power that healed them. It was the power of God that healed them. But what he was saying is, Your faith, your believing in me, 
has brought this about that you are now healed. Your faith has healed you. Because they believed in Him and they trusted in Him so much. And, and what Paul is telling us is that salvation isn't about what we do. It's through faith, but what does he say? Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And here's the, the interesting thing. That word grace is the idea of a gift. In fact, when we talk about somebody being graceful, they sing gracefully, they move gracefully. What we're saying is that they have what appears to us to be a gift. They have something above and beyond what normal humanity has been given. They have a special gift. That's what grace is. It's a gift from the Lord specifically. And he says, it is, it is by God's gifting to us that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And that second word gift is focused on the giving aspect. It is that which is given by a person. And the focus, the, the boldness of it, you might say, is on the idea of something that is being given without cause. It is not required. It is, it is on the free nature of that gift. That He has given it to us and it is not something that you have earned. It isn't something that you have uh, required of Him. No, it's, it's, it's a free gift. There are cultures in the world where gifts are expected. You know, I remember a man once telling me about how he was raising a support for the seminary that I went to, and he would go to different countries, and, and he would send the president of the seminary to, to other countries. And he was going to, uh, I, I want to say China, but it might have been another country in Asia. And and he said, look, when you go, you need to take a gift. And you don't ask for money. You don't ask for support. You take the gift and you tell them what the seminary is doing. You tell them what you want them to know about it. And what happens is, is a couple of weeks later, they will send you a gift. And depending on what kind of a gift they send you, you will know whether or not they're going to support us or not. If it's a nice, good, big gift, that means that you have won them over. But if it's not such a great gift, they'll still send you a gift, but you'll know, no, they're not going to support you. But the gift giving was part of the culture. You show up with a gift. This is not a part of a culture. This isn't something that you're expected to do. No, God is giving this gift to us and it is completely free. It is in nature not something that is expected like when you go over somebody's house and you're like, oh, we've got to take them something because we're going to have dinner with them. No. It's, it's completely free, unexpected from God. And that's what he's saying here is that salvation is given to us from God as a gift. And because it is given in such a way, it must be received in that same way. That salvation is received as a gift. And just think about what does it mean when you receive a gift? Did you ever get a gift that was so great you wanted to give them some money for it? You know, oh, that's too much. Let me, let me pay you half of that gift. No, that, that, that's not how a gift is re received, is it? Or somebody says, oh, no, no, I can't, I can't accept it. It's too much. Well, then how do you feel if you've been trying to give somebody a gift and they reject it like that? 
Salvation has to be received as a gift. You, you can't uh, earn it ourselves. We, we can't do it on our own. In fact, uh, he says here in, in verse 9 that, that by grace, or excuse me, verse 8, by grace you have been saved through faith. The, the gift that, that, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. The gift of God is the whole thing. The gift of God is salvation given to us to be saved through Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. But the gift is even more than that. The gift is that salvation, or that faith is enough to obtain, to receive salvation. It is a gift. It is God's grace that faith is enough. I mean, have you ever stopped and said, well, how is it that just believing in Jesus Christ is enough to overcome all of my sins, to overcome everything I have done, all, not just mine, but the sins of the world, every person who has ever lived and all the sins that they have done against God and against one another. We have all this stacked up against us and you're telling me all I have to do to, to, to receive salvation from all I've done is to believe in Jesus? Surely, God, you're going to require something more of me. I need to probably start behaving differently, don't I? So that I might be saved. I should really put some effort in on my own account. I need to pay back what I owe. I need to do my time, Lord. And no. No purgatory. No, no doing time. God's grace says faith is enough. That it is by grace that you are saved through faith. That, that there's nothing else you can do. God's grace says faith is enough. That, that believing in Jesus is enough to receive salvation. Just like the people who would come to Jesus and believe in Him. Just the, 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 the woman with the issue of blood who says, all i got to do is just touch the fringe of His clothing and I'll be healed. And He says, your faith has healed you. Because she had faith to be saved, to believe that all I had to do was touch Him and I could be healed from this thing. His power still healed her. It wasn't her faith. It was Him. And the same is true with salvation. That How are we saved? Because God is willing to save us if we believe in His Son. That He is willing to count the death of His Son against all the sin of the world. All of your sin. If we believe in Him. We don't have to do any great action. We don't have to, to do any great penance. We don't have to make any great changes. No, in fact, He doesn't accept any of that. Only faith. To believe. And remember, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the conviction of something you can't see. It's the assurance of things that you just hope for them to happen. And so, God's calling us not just to believe that if we follow Jesus and we believe in Him that we'll live even if we die. But I would say that there's an element of faith in, in, in trusting that faith is enough. There, there's an element of faith that says, yes, I am saved because I believe in Jesus. And, and yeah, I've got a lot of sin against me and I've got a lot of bad decisions and I've got a lot of bad behavior. And there's no way that I can ever make that up. But God has given His Son. 
And if I believe in His Son, He says that's all gone. Quite honestly, I think it takes a little bit of faith to believe in faith. To believe that that's enough. But that's what He's telling us. That, that that is what God has expected of us and calls us to, that we would be saved as an act of His grace that's a gift to us based only on whether or not we believe in Him. And He's very clear that in verse 8 and 9, it is not of yourselves. It is not something that we do. It's not something that we come up with. It's not something that we provide. It is tr- totally a gift from God. And then in verse 9, He even goes even farther, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation is such that God wants all the glory. Salvation is such that nobody can sit here and boast and say, oh, I did this right or I did that right. I I think sometimes we even want to get to where we boast about at least we accepted Jesus and those other people didn't. And he says, no. There is no room for boasting. No one can boast. It's not as a result of your works. Even to have faith is not a work. It is something that God is working in us. We do not earn salvation. We do not earn our own salvation by ourselves. It isn't something that we are able to uh, purchase for ourselves or to be good enough for ourselves. I mean, just think of how backwards that is. The idea that we need salvation, we need to be saved, means that we are bad or that we are corrupt or that we are sinners. And we don't earn it. We, we can't earn our own salvation. To be saved literally means to have somebody else step into your life and bring you out of the danger and the trouble that you're in. In fact, Paul in, in this chapter, if we go back to verse 1, he tells us in verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Have you ever stopped and consider how much a dead person can do for themselves? How much can a dead body do? Absolutely nothing. And yet we were, as he says, dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. There is a spirit alive and well today within the world, and it is the spirit in accordance to the prince of the power of the air, of death and destruction, according to the course of this world. He says in verse 3 that this Spirit, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And, and, and this is a very clear point that Paul wants to make, that everybody that he is writing to, he is writing to the church in Ephesus, but everybody, Jew or Greek, as they said back then, uh, we, we could say believer or unbeliever, it doesn't matter where you came from, it doesn't matter what your background is, all of us, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, in the desires of our flesh, living out the same uh, 
power and the same desires that the whole world around us is living in. We were dead in that. We were dead in our sins. We can sometimes look at people who are living for this life and living in the world and filling up their lives with sin and and we think, what's wrong with them? Why don't they just snap out of it? Why don't they wake up and realize the truth? Why don't they wake up and figure out what the right way to live is? And the truth is, is that they can't. They're dead in their trespasses. They are dead in their sins, and we once were just like them. We once were just in that same boat. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Yeah, we breathe, we feel, but all of life is destructive for us. Outside of Jesus Christ, we're, we're just destructive. We're dead spiritually. And that was the case for all people. No one earns their own salvation. No one has and no one will. All the good people that you can think of, oh, they're just so great. Maybe they're a believer, maybe not. They're not earning their salvation. I think this is one of those areas where, honestly, I'm more concerned about people who are good. Just innately nice, decent, wholesome, good people. Because it is so easy to look the part and to still be dead in your transgressions and sin. A dead body can't do anything for itself. A person who is in the ER and their heartbeat has stopped, they cannot do it on their own. What do they need? They need an outside intervention. We are blessed today with electrical pads that doctors can use to jumpstart a heart. We have CPR where we try to get somebody's heart going again. In a similar way, in verse 4, we are... And at the end of verse 3, we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And then we get to verse 4. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And then there's this parenthetical statement, by grace you have been saved which he picks up again in verse 8. By grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved. We were dead. And the way I picture it is like a... Forgive me if this is hitting too close to home, but a person who is on the table and their heartbeat has stopped and they are not breathing. They are not able to choose to live in and of themselves. They need somebody to come start pounding on their chest or giving them an electric shock, giving them oxygen to breathe. And if that happens where there's a quickening of the heart and they, they boom, and the heart starts, what's the first natural reaction? (gasps) Oh yeah, they chose to breathe. Because somebody else started their heart. That's what what Paul tells us is happening for us. That we were dead in our trespasses, but God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, even when we were dead, He made us alive together with Christ. 
in a spiritual way, He got our spiritual heart going again. And we breathe Him. We have life with Him. He says this is something that is received as a gift. You can't earn it. You you can't pay it back. You've got to accept it and respond to it. And that's what happens when a dead person is brought back to life. They respond to what somebody else is doing for them. They don't do it on their own. God is the one who sets the boundaries, who sets the standards. He's the one that says faith is enough. He's the one that says you can't add to it. Don't even try to add to my work. You have to accept it. Take it by faith. Don't add to it. Don't detract from it. There are some people that just do not want to accept grace and mercy. They want to do something for themselves. They want to do it for God. They want to pay Him back. They want to earn it on their own. He, he says it's not the result of works. It's not the, work, the result of any deed or action on our part. We can only receive it. We don't earn it on our own. But if we do receive it, if, if we receive the salvation He gives us, as He says there in verse 5, He made us alive together with Christ. When we receive salvation by faith, when we believe in Jesus and decide we're going to follow Him, God gives us life with and through Jesus. Jesus is the one who, through His action on the cross, gives us life. But He also gives us life with Jesus. It's not just about obtaining something that Jesus is a means to an end. Jesus is the means and the end. We receive life through Him so that we might have life with Him. And this is one of the things that I... There are a lot of people that you know, talk about going to heaven someday, or, but they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus on the earth today. Heaven isn't just some place where I'm happy where I get all the pleasures and the joys I wanted on the earth. Heaven, as we speak of it, is the presence of God. It is to be with Him. And all I can suggest is that if a person isn't desiring to be with God here on the earth, if we don't desire to live with Jesus here on the earth today, we're probably not really going to enjoy heaven. Because heaven is God. 24-7. I mean, we take out the 24-7. It's eternity. But you know what I mean by what I'm saying. It's, it's God. 24-7, 365. It's all God all the time. It's not boring harps on clouds. It's much grander and greater than we could imagine. But it is God all the time. If we don't like Him here on earth, I doubt we'll really like Him up in heaven. That's what He offers us. He gives us life, not just through Jesus, not just through the death on the cross with Jesus, but He gives us life with Him. That every day when you have faith in Jesus Christ and you follow Him, you live every day with Him. That when you go to work, you're not just going to work on your own, you're going to work with Jesus. That when you go home, you're not just going home to your family or to the the emptiness of your own home, but you know, with Jesus. That every step of our life as a follower of Jesus, we are with Him. 
And we receive it as grace. We receive it as a gift. It's not something we can obtain. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. We were dead. And anybody who has ever believed in Jesus Christ has basically made that statement. Whether they meant it or or said those exact words, we've acknowledged we are dead without Him. We can't be alive without Him. We needed to accept His life that He has given us. That's what Paul is telling us when he says, by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one may boast. If you follow Jesus Christ today, know that it's not because of you. It's because of Him. It's because He has called you. Because He has quickened you. Because He has given you life and the ability to receive it. And if you don't follow Jesus Christ today, I want you to know you can't earn it. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be kind enough or smart enough or rich enough to buy it. There's nothing you can do except to receive it. But it begins by recognizing that we're dead. That the life that we have here in the flesh, even though, yeah, we're, we're living and we're breathing, our hearts are pumping and we feel alive, But that life that we are living in that way, it's death. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fulfill. And when we eventually stop breathing, then it really gets bad. We're dead. But in Jesus Christ, we can be alive. It just takes believing, faith, to accept God's parameters, to accept that this work is enough. That God has said it so. That is the grace that He has given us today and every day. So as we close, I just want to invite us to, to say this verse again together. These two verses, excuse me. I pray that maybe as we think about it, as we reflect on it this week, that these verses will mean more and more to us and we'll understand them just a little bit better each day. Let's say this again, shall we? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have given us and shown us Your grace to give us Your Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. We thank You, Father, that You call us to believe that there is nothing that we have to do. Lord, we can only imagine if it was up to us, if there was some work we needed to accomplish to be saved, we wouldn't be able to do it. Because truly, Your way of saving us has been for the righteous to die for the unrighteous. For Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, for the eternal God to experience death that He might overcome death and give us life. Lord, we could never do these things on our own. We pray that we would trust in You, that we would accept that it is by faith we are saved. And Lord, we pray that we would believe. Help us, those of us who have followed Jesus Christ, to recognize that there is no 
boasting available for us. It is Your grace that has saved us. For those of us, Lord, who have yet to place our faith in Jesus Christ, we pray for their desire to be, to know Him, to be saved. Lord, that they would cry out that they might receive Your grace, to know it and to believe in Jesus. Wherever we are as that walk with Jesus, Lord, we pray that You would help us to grow in our faith just a little bit, to grow in Your grace till we come to the place where we receive Jesus and believe in Him. Lord, we pray and ask these things today. In Jesus' name, Amen.